Marshawn right circle down towards the dot. Cross ice pass scores. What a shot that was over at the far post. And that's Coyle. And it's a 3-0 Boston lead. Once again, rough sledding against the Boston Bruins for the Buffalo Sabres last night as the Blue and Gold were handed their first loss of the season 4-1 at Key Bank Center. Former Sabre Linus Olmark getting the win, 35 saves in net for the Bruins who are 14-2 against Buffalo in their last 16 matchups. Pat Malacaro has the recap on our website. TJ Luckman's three observations they're up at WGR550.com. While the result was the same old story, Buffalo did outshoot the Bruins 36-25 last night and remained a thorn in Boston's side throughout the evening. A sign of optimism for young players like Dylan Cousins as the Blue and Gold look to bounce back tonight. That's one of the best teams in the league, and I think we played a really good game against them. I think we outchanced them, and you know, if a few more bounces went our way, I think we definitely could have won that game. But um, you know, we just got to regroup after that and get ready for tomorrow. Buffalo gets right back to it tonight against the New Jersey Devils on the road. Puck drop set for 7 o'clock tonight. We got pregame starting at 6 right here on WGR. Other games were on the NHL last night. The Leafs already causing fans to throw jerseys on the ice as they lost to the Sharks 5-3. The Stars beating the Kings in overtime 3-2. The Oilers 5-0 after a 5-3 win over Vegas. UB football playing today. The Bulls are in Akron against the Zips. That one is a 3.30 kickoff. You can hear that over on our sister station, the Bet 1520. Other top games in college football going on today. Number two, Cincinnati taking on Navy. Number three, Oklahoma visiting Kansas. Both of those games, a 12 o'clock kickoff. Number 10, Oregon is at UCLA at 3.30 this afternoon. Meanwhile, number four, Alabama plays host to Tennessee later tonight at 7 o'clock. That's been your Paddock Chevrolet Sports Update. For updates at the top of every hour or when sports news breaks, I'm Derek Kramer. You're listening to WGR Sports Radio 550. WGR Sports Radio 550 presents... Don't tell me. We're about to go over a huge waterfall. Yep. Sharp rocks at the bottom? Most likely. Sports Talk Saturday. Bring it on. On WGR. Sports Radio 550. You know I'm all about that chaotic energy. Welcome back into Sports Talk Saturday. Derek Kramer, Zach Jones, we're in for Nate Geary this afternoon. Well, good afternoon to everyone here on WGR. So, last hour, we talked a lot of Sabres, as they are the team that is playing this week, as the Bills have had the week off. However, the team, the Sabres, they're looking pretty good. A 3-1 start. They play against New Jersey tonight. See if they can go ahead and put another win in the column. So we'll see what happens there. We talked to Anthony Scandra and Brian Cozio last hour. Those interviews will be up on demand at our website at WGR550.com. Meanwhile, though, the Bills are on the bye week. And as I'd alluded to last hour, huh, man, some reactions from uh, from the Monday night loss in Tennessee. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Great teams do lose games too, you know. And the Bills are one of those teams. They're 4-2. and two. They're still doing great. Everything's fine. Allen's playing awesome. The offense is still clicking. And the defense just had a hiccup against Tennessee. That's okay. Things happen. And they lost. It's, it's so weird. The Bills managed. And, Zach, I'll get your input on this, on this statement here. And I kind of want to see what fans' reactions to this statement are. The Bills managed to deserve to lose that game 
but also lost it completely on a fluke. I mean, to me, it was just it was Arizona last year, right before the bye. Like we played like garbage. There were some. I think Josh had two interceptions. It it was an ugly game, and yet they did enough to win. But then at the same time, they also deserved to lose. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, like it's kind of how I saw it. Like my biggest takeaway from that game was we are awful playing into a bye. Yes, like it it is. It has had a a rough time the last two years of great seasons. I mean, we still look good. The passing the passing game still looks good, but overall. Playing into a bye, we're not great. It's it's not only that it's not it's not great. It's also they're losing in the dumbest ways possible, and I say dumb as in like most unfortunate. Uh, yeah, you lost on a hail mary play a year ago heading into the bye, and then this year you lose because your quarterback, who's paid a bunch of money and is almost flawless at quarterback sneaks, slips after taking the snap. Like it's just the dumbest way to lose a game. It's unfortunate, but you did put yourself in that position too. So it's weird. They deserve to lose, but also they lost in the flukiest way possible. And I think I'm going to ask that question to Matt Perino, who's now uh, joining us on the West Her Hotline, that, Matt, is it possible for a team to not only deserve to lose, but also at the same time manage to lose on a fluke? You know, just the, the week that's been since that game and, like, taking the temperature of everybody and going back and watching it, it's amazing how much expectations of change for this team because really they played really well kind of on both sides of the ball and it, and it comes down to one or two or three plays in a football game that can happen in any type of way to swing it if derrick henry if 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 there's a hold call on that derrick henry 76 yard run what's the game look the bills get the ball back after a third stop by the defense they go down the field and finally score a touchdown because it's only a matter of time with this offense we saw it in that game and then all of a sudden you're down three scores in the first quarter and Tennessee probably has to start forcing it and Ryan Tannehill probably throws interceptions he probably starts to get sacked it's just like it's a funny way how the game goes I think it's hard to win in this league I think it's hard to win in this league on the road traditionally I know that those numbers are kind of skewed in recent years but I you know I, I was expecting I was at least in a place where I wouldn't be shocked if there was a little bit of a letdown after you take out the Chiefs. I mean, listen, they talk all about, like, it's the biggest game because it's the next game, but let's be honest, that Chiefs game had a lot riding on it for what this team, like the confidence level of this team, to be able to maybe knock off what I think will still end up being one of the top teams in the league in in the Chiefs by the end of the season. You needed that game, and I thought there might be a little bit of an energy dump, but they came into Tennessee. I thought they played pretty pretty well. You know, Derrick Henry – you take away three or four of those big runs, and I thought the Bills did a lot of what they've done against him the last three times that they played him. So, yeah, I, I get it. Like, I guess you can you can make that argument like they deserve to lose, but you know they were in a position to win, and they most of the time they probably make that play. It's tough to win this league, and this this Titans team, like this Titans offense, is a lot better than what it played the first month of the season, and you can tell how dangerous. It has the potential to be if Julio and AJ can stay on the field together. It's only a matter of time before they figure things out and start to get things going because you can't stop Derrick Henry and those two guys, I think, over the course of a four-quarter game unless you're a really, really elite defense. And and this is also an elite defense that didn't have their best game, and that's going to happen from time to time. And I think what you you learn from that game is I think we've known now, you know, since this team got good – when the one side of the ball isn't having a day, the other side's got to pick it up. And the, Bill, the Bills' offense almost did, but they didn't, and now they said it 4-2. Matt Perino joining us here, New York Upstate. 
And, of course, you see him everywhere on Twitter, at Matt Perino. And so, Matt, this Bills team is just looking just as good as last year at this point, I think, offensively. But then the defense this year has managed to step up and get back to where they were a couple of years back. It's tough to see this team sitting at 4-2 and two because you mentioned the expectations and the talent and how it's played so far this season. It really looks a little weird that they're not doing better than that. You look at how they lost that game against Pittsburgh and everyone after after the next four weeks, everyone just kept asking, how did this team lose to the Steelers? Matt, going into the next slate of games, it's even softer. And that is probably going to do no favors to anyone when it comes to expectations, but also the biggest question of how challenging will it really be for them the rest of the way? The bottom line of this season is this is a group that has been together now for, you know, a good chunk of it, three seasons, right? So, like, that argument that, like, playing a soft schedule isn't going to get them ready for the playoffs, I, I just think that they got to focus on themselves and, and run their stuff and figure out who they want to be, where they're most comfortable, and then attack those game plans when they come. But the most important thing about the season, I mean, it's Super Bowl or bust in a lot of ways. I mean, it, it, this, is a, this is a talented roster that you know, went to the AFC title game last year. They're much better this year on both sides of the ball. They still have a t- an elite special teams unit. I think Isaiah McKenzie's been better than I even expected him to be early on. I mean, if they're holding building a call there on that touchdown run, talking about that 75-yarder to open the season, that run, I think he set them up some decent field position a few times this year. So you have all that going for you. Um, but I think it does, it does come down to, A, staying healthy, and, B, figuring out who you know, you're going to be for when you, you do have these matchups. If you look at Baltimore, 5-1 and one sitting here right now. It's great, right? They, you know, Lamar Jackson's looking like an MVP candidate. But I remember the last time Lamar Jackson looked like an MVP candidate in September and October. We all remember that you know, one and done in the playoffs. That's when it matters. The Bills have done this before. They, they've run off you know, that this regime, this this group, they've had regular season success. It's about playoff success. And to get it, you have to have the AFC spot in the Super Bowl run through Buffalo. And so it comes down to winning enough games to do that. The, the benefit for them is they had the type of schedule that should allow them to be in a spot to win it at the end. Uh, the Tennessee Titans' loss isn't, isn't great. It isn't helpful. But I, I also look at Tennessee's schedule down the stretch, and I have a hard time believing they're not, they're not going to lose three or four games, especially – if historically speaking, those receivers can't stay healthy. And so I think they're in a, a perfect spot. And I'm not concerned whatsoever about what happens in you know, November and December. I'm concerned about January. You know, this is a, a, a group now that went through the gauntlet all the way to the AFC title game, and they, they felt the loss. They felt what they did wrong, where they fell short. I think that there's a lot of continuity in the coaching staff you know, when they get back there to have a, a plan to – adjust and, and replan when things aren't going well in a game. Um, so it's just about staying healthy and it's about getting these wins week by week all the way through the season and, and landing somewhere around 13, 12 or 13. I mean, really, you're probably going to have to win at least 13 to, to get the number one seed and probably 14. So there's not a lot of margin for error, but they just have, you know, luckily for them, they, they have one of the easier schedules in the NFC. So, Matt, it really is weird to think about it this way that it is – almost as if the rest of this season is non-consequential. Um, you look at it and you just know that they're going to be able to tell bad teams that they're bad because they've been doing it all year. And it's just a little weird, though, still for fans to not have to look at every regular season game as that measuring stick. So it's going to be an interesting rest of the way. Like you said, 
all that intensity is going to ramp up in January all over again. So the big thing, though, is going to be how do they do against Kansas City, a team that they finally were able to slay that demon a couple weeks back. How do they do against Tennessee is a bigger question because of the fact that in recent history they have not done well against the Titans. Do you think that this is – and here it is. I hate this narrative, but I have to ask the question. This is the double-edged sword of living this kind of life. Uh, are they a bad matchup with the Titans or, say, the Cleveland Browns? Run heavy teams that are able to beat you through the ground and with solid defense. Potentially, like, they're definitely matchup, you know, snafus or problems, if you will. But what I think it comes down to is I don't think Cleveland's defense is as good as it's kind of been billed to be, and maybe they, you know, they get things together at the course of the season. But you know, I think they just played the Chargers, and the Chargers put up like thirty plus on them. So you know, it is what it is. I don't. I think that they're a one-dimensional offense. I think if you can, if you go in there trying to stop the run, and you say, okay, Baker Mayfield beat us. If I'm the Bills, depending on where you play that game, that's another piece of this. Like, you know, Ryan Tannehill. I know there was a lot made about the, you know, how many Bills fans were at that game, and they were there were a ton. There were still a lot of Titan fans there. That's going to be a completely different environment. If you play that game in January, potentially in some weather conditions and 70,000 screaming Bills fans in that building, it's going to be different. So that's, that's where you know goes back to my original point. Like there, We could talk about matchups and everything like that, but we saw what happened to Baltimore, who you know, had, had been playing well. They took out Tennessee the week before. They came into Buffalo, and their offense couldn't do anything against this defense. And so I think it's just about that part of it you know there's matchup there's always going to be matchup problems i think aj brown's always going to consistently do pretty well against the bills i mean he's done that his throughout his career now but it's just about game planning scheming up against them and they got to be better in certain areas listen this this defensive line i've been talking about it all week they can't go into a game like that against a, a like a like an average quarterback in ryan Tannehill, a, a bad offensive line that you know they're leading the league going into last week allowing 20 sacks and not sack him one single time. Like, you can't, you can't have that. That's completely, you know, underperforming for a unit that, you know, there's a couple guys in that unit that make a lot of money, and there's a couple guys in that unit that have, uh, you know, a lot of high expectations when it comes to Ed Oliver. You know, Greg Rousseau has been playing well. A.J. Epinesa wasn't even active, which I still, still think is kind of a, a funny little development that happened that we, you know, kind of flew under the radar because of the craziness of Nashville and everything like that. But, you know, when we asked Sean McDermott about it, it was just like they want to get a couple, look at a couple of different matchups. And I'm like, man, we're like three weeks removed from that guy being the best player on the defense against the Dolphins. So, you know, there's a, there's a lot of things to figure out on that defensive line. It's kind of been an up-and-down season for them. When it's been up, when it's been good, you know, they were great against Miami and Kansas City, generating pressure with four. When it's been bad, that's what happened. And that allowed Ryan Tannehill to get comfortable, start getting A.J. Brown going, and then we obviously saw what they did in the red zone against the Bills. Matt Perino joining us here on the West Her Hotline. So, Matt, the big questions heading into the season, one of them was about the tight end position and what a nice revelation Dawson Knox had become and then in the perfect timing uh, ends up breaking his hand but not before shot-putting a two-point conversion. Uh, Just kind of showing how well his season has been going for him. What have you seen from Knox this year that uh, is more encouraging and how his role may continue to evolve going forward? I think it was always just about like a waiting game. Like we talked, we covered this on our podcast a lot over the summer. It's like, you know, I think that there's so many examples in the league, like for all the Travis Kelsey's or George Kittle's that 
you know, get to, you know, figure it out really early in their careers. There's a lot of guys that it, it takes a little bit more time. And, you know, Logan Thomas, I think, is a perfect example, has a career year, what, six, seven years into the league, was an undrafted guy, former quarterback. Sometimes it just takes a while to work, you know, at, at your craft and figure things out. And what I've always liked about Knox is his physical attributes, his ability to get separation when you can do that at the tight end position that immediately gives you an advantage in the passing game. And I felt like there was no way that they wouldn't figure out a way to utilize that. It just came down to can he make the catches? Can he, can he eliminate the drops? And I think he started to do that towards the tail end of last year when he went and scored five touchdowns in his final nine, nine games. I think over that last stretch there, he only had one drop in those nine games. And so the, it was starting to happen for him on a, on a, on a smaller sample size. So it was just about extrapolating that to this season. And I don't think anybody, like I was pretty high on Knox. You know, I know Joe Marino over at the Draft Network. We had him on our show, too. He was really high on, on Dawson Knox. But I don't know if anybody would have gone into this season and said after six weeks he'd be leading the league in tight end uh, touchdowns. But this is kind of what the hope was. And what's funny is he's almost, you know, allowed Brian Dable to change the way that he approaches getting the target share in a game. Like, you can't just bank on, you know, dealing with the receivers and not having to worry about the tight end position anymore. Now there might be a game where Cole Beasley has only targeted twice and, you know, Dawson Knox goes off for 117 and touchdown. Like, that's got to be in your game planning during the week when you're getting ready to play the Bills. And so it's just, I think, unlocked another area of this offense for Dable, who's been so creative and and his ability to get all these guys involved and, and, and pick on certain matchups. Uh, I think I heard today that Mike Garofolo from the NFL Network said it's going to be about three weeks before he's able to return. That's not really too long of a time. I think Tommy Sweeney is uh, more than capable of filling in on, in the meantime and then letting these wide receivers go a little bit. And then when he gets back, gets ready, gets healthy, that's when uh, you know a nice string of games starts when they go to New Orleans for uh, Thanksgiving. So, Matt, um, the last thing that I got for you on, on this Bills team right now is just – what it, I know it's hypothetical because the NFL trade deadline is about as exciting as uh, watching an ant crawl on the ground. Uh, are there any ideas or hypotheticals of like trade ideas that you would want this team to try to pursue at looking at bolstering the roster? Basically, my question being, if there was something you could see them adding for the sake of the rest of the year to bolster depth, what would you want it to be, and what is the most disappointing aspect of the team, if there even is one? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not sitting. If I'm Brandon Bean, I'm not sitting there telling myself that there's anything I need to do. If something made sense, like you know, if you can add an upgrade on the interior of the offensive line, which you know, I think every anybody would want to do that if they could. If that's that that guy's out there and it's not going to cost you too much, then sure, yeah, pull the trigger on that. Another problem that the Bills are dealing with the trade deadline is they don't have a lot of salary cap room. And to get a good player, you're usually going to get a guy that's making some money in this league. And so that's another challenge. Now, can it be done? Probably. I mean, most things can be done in this league. I mean, the salary cap is, you know, and I know everybody likes to joke about is it real or not. I mean, it is real to a degree. But there's also things you can do to manipulate and get things around and move some money around. I still think there's a couple contracts that they can uh, restructure to open up cap space. So, yeah, I think if you're asking me what position, like I've talked about this quite a bit this week, I'd, I'd still say it's on the defensive line. I think it's a def- defensive end. I like Jerry Hughes a lot. He's playing at a really high level. 
but I think that he would really benefit from playing a lot like opposite of a, of somebody that's better. That's uh you know maybe an elite pass rusher. Now those those guys aren't usually uh, available. I mean, you look at a guy like you know somebody I've been talking about on social media is like Khalil Mack, which by the way he makes a ton of money and that would be almost impossible. But you know that's the kind of guy that I think you swing for the fences with. You know when Kansas City was close and they went to the AFC title game and they lost to the Patriots. Before the next season started, they, they swung a deal. They traded for Frank Clark. They gave him big-time money. And if you remember that playoff run, Frank Clark was a beast, really helped elevate that defense. And you need a, you need a pass rush in the playoffs to affect quarter. We saw it last year with Tampa Bay. saw it the previous year with Chris Jones and Frank Clark. And so can this unit, as currently constructed, give the Bills the kind of consistency in January and February to affect opposing quarterbacks? And Right now, it's kind of a crapshoot. So that, to me, is the position that I would target. The problem is, where, where are you going? Where are you getting a guy that is, is a significant upgrade? Because I think you've got a lot of talent here. It's just about who's going to show up and be consistent from a week-to-week perspective and kind of help Jerry Hughes, I think, who is always kind of dialed up to that, you know, uh, you know maybe just below that elite level. Matt, first off, thanks, as always, for joining us. And it's good to be able to talk to you again, my dude. Um, obviously... Let the people know where to find your work. Always like people giving their shout-outs. Yeah, speaking of which, that's fitting. Uh, Shout Buffalo Football Podcast. You can find it on, uh, if you search Buffalo Bills on NY Up on YouTube, you'll find our page. Subscribe. We'll give you a notification every time our, one of our live shows goes live. We just had Jeremiah Searles on this past week. I'd highly recommend going back and listening to that. A lot of really good stuff from him. He was in the building with the Bills for a little over a year. He's got some firsthand knowledge of how they do things, so I love to have him on from time to time, break down how this team is doing, and you can find all my work at Syracuse.com. Oh, and last thing, um, Walt looks like he's got a good vertical. I, I, I liked, uh, I liked his aggression going after that chew toy. Dude, I got, I, I think I'm, I've been playing too aggressively with him because <laughs> he's turned into a, like a little biter. I think he's got some Jack Ru- Russell in him, but man, I've been, I've been playing with him a little rough because I used to have big dogs, and I think I got to dial that back a little bit because he's been. Today, I, w- I walked down the stairs. He came running at me, went flying in the air right at my leg and literally just clamped onto my knee. I'm like, all right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, uh, from, from one Beagle owner to another, uh, they're a trip. Uh, so it's, it's fun good seeing those. You, my man. Uh, good talking to you, Matt. And uh, enjoy the rest of the bye week and the time off before uh, getting back to work. Sounds good, buddy. Take care. That's Matt Perino, New York Upstate. He's everywhere. He's on Twitter at Matt Perino and the Shout Podcast, him and Ryan Talbot. They do a good job of delivering you your Bills content every week as well. How are you feeling about this Bills team? I put a poll up. And uh, I think more times than not, putting a poll up tends to give some weird answers. But I put one up because I want to see what you guys are still thinking. And I've got four options for you. Still Super Bowl bound, concerns with the top teams in the AFC, LA, Baltimore, Kansas City, and Tennessee, ready for disappointment, or go Sabres. So those are your four options. Still plenty of optimism about this team as uh, Super Bowl bound is at 56%. Now, I, I like, come on, this team is good. Let's be real about this. But uh, I do want to see what concerns you have with the rest of the AFC. We're going to look around this league and look at the opponents and the biggest threats that are to the Bills in the AFC, and we'll kind of see what everyone's concerns are. What are you thinking? 
803-0550, We want to be able to hear from you. What are your concerns with this team? Are there any concerns with this team? Can they step on a nail and just walk it off like nothing happened? Or are you still a little mad? Let's hear what you think. Get your calls in on the other side of this one on Sports Talk Saturday. Derek Kramer in for Nate Geary. Zach Jones on the other side of the glass. You're listening to WGR. Welcome back into Sports Talk Saturday. Derek Kramer, Zach Jones, we're hanging out with you this afternoon. You've heard in the first hour, this is a lot of Sabres talk in the first hour, as Anthony Scandra of Expected Buffalo and Brian Koziel, your Sabres radio network host, joined us in the first hour. Those are on demand at WGR550.com. New York Upstate's Matt Perino joined us in the last segment as well. So, I put the I put the poll up. How are you feeling about this Bills team? Are you, re- are you still thinking they're Super Bowl bound? Are you concerned with the top talent in the AFC? Baltimore's 5-1. and one. The Chargers are 4-2. The Chiefs are still the Chiefs. They're annoying as heck, but they're not going to go away. Top talent does make the playoffs, and the Chiefs do still have elite offensive talent, as much as I hate it. And, of course, the Titans, who just beat the Bills. And that raises concerns about, are the Bills able to handle the Titans? Because... You look at their recent history, actually, against Tennessee, and it's awful. The Titans are really the biggest thorn in Buffalo's side. The last time the Bills had a win against them was a 14-13 slugfest up here in Orchard Park. It's awful. I hate them so much. And if you've heard me before, if you follow me on Twitter, you know how much I hate the Tennessee Titans. And now that there's this grand old narrative that the Titans are this team's possible, like they're the Bills killer now instead of the Chiefs, <sighs> I'm not ready for this. I'm not ready for first take to say, who's more valuable, Derrick Henry or Patrick Mahomes? I'm not ready for this world, okay? It's too soon. I'm not ready for that. But you know what I am ready for, though, Zach? I haven't done this in a long time. It's been a couple years. I'm going to take callers. I have not done this in a while, so I am rusty. I need to make sure that this mouse works. <laughs> but Dan and Erie, you were holding, and you're on through the other side of this. Welcome to Sports Talk Saturday. How are you? Oh, good. Thanks, guys. Thanks for taking my call. My concern with the Bills is the play calling of Brian Dable. If you're a, a defensive coordinator playing the Bills, it's not hard to defend them when you know that eight or nine plays out of ten are going to be passes. And when they call running plays, design running plays for Josh Allen, it's just a matter of time until he gets hurt. They need to develop a better uh, balanced attack and, and better running game. Uh, I just like to get your thoughts on that. I, you know what, Dan, I'm going to keep you on the line here just to, uh, just to answer this counter question. The Bills are still one of the best offenses in the league, no matter what you know they're doing. You know they're going to pass the ball on you, but teams are still having a hard time stopping them. They're still the sixth best team in terms of total offense in the entire league when it comes to yards per game. How in the world would you explain that 
there's not enough running when no matter what they do, it still is the one of the best passing attacks in the league in a game where it's evolved to elite passing attacks. I totally agree with you. I, I really do. We do have a great passing attack, but it's just a matter of time until Josh Allen gets hurt. And as the season wears into late November and December, you're going to have to run the ball when the weather gets bad. And uh, it's, it's just, you know, other teams' uh, defensive coordinators are catching up with the Bills. Yes, the, the passing game is still great, but, you know, it's just a matter of time until if they don't have a, a balanced attack, it's going to come back and bite them. I really feel that. All right. Well, Dan, I, I do appreciate the take, I, and I appreciate you holding through on that one. Uh, I am going to address the rest of that for you, though. Like, yeah, the Bills' running game isn't the greatest um, threat, obviously, but this team isn't a slouch at running the football either. They're not bad at it. As a matter of fact, when it comes to rushing yards per game, they're fifth in the league. So it's not like this team is incapable of it. They know what they're doing. And yeah, Josh Allen, you you do have concerns, obviously, about that and how many hits can a quarterback take before it really does something to his durability? You look at the career arc of Cam Newton, for example. But it looks like, though, the biggest counter to that is Josh Allen has learned to protect himself. He's learned when and how to slide. And sometimes he makes you nervous. Josh Allen jumping over things. As great of a highlight as it is, it gives you a heart attack. I, I mean... There, there are definitely heart palpitations going on from any Bills fan. It doesn't matter who you are. When you see Josh Allen leaping over some human being and you don't know if he's going to land on his own feet cleanly. <laughs> it's concerning. So, yes, there is some still of the, uh, the sugar high Josh that you want to make sure that he protects himself. But I do think at the end of the day, he has learned how to do that, and it makes me feel more comfortable in that regard. I do think that running the football, they can't run the football, like that concern, it's a little unfounded. They're the fifth fifth best rushing attack in the league in yards per game. They're the second best scoring offense in the NFL. I don't really know. Sometimes Brian Dable gets a little too cute. See that one play against the Pittsburgh Steelers, the fake sneak pitch. Um. But that smooth brain kind of play call has not happened all that much in the last five weeks. I'm not I'm not really there on the uh, on the Brian Dable concern, especially with how well Allen has been playing and how well this offense has been clicking overall. But that said, I'm willing to keep up the argument here against Dable. I'm willing to keep up on this talk because uh, we've got Mario in Buffalo next here. Mario, welcome to Sports Talk Saturday. Hey, uh, thank you for taking my call. My concern also is Dable, and I'll tell you why. When it came to when, when our offense let us down against Pittsburgh, right? Pittsburgh defense is okay, but it's not the juggernaut that people made it out to be. He let us down, right? And then when you look at Tennessee, the strength that they had was their defensive line. That's their strength. Dable came out in the first half. He wanted to keep running the ball. Their cornerbacks were depleted. They came into the game with three healthy cornerbacks. I don't know why you don't throw the ball. 
and, and, and I know it's like, like the other call. It sounds weird because we are scoring a lot of points. But my problem is, sir, he doesn't. He, he maybe doesn't adjust fast enough. I don't know what it is, but like you said, just even that bonehead play, he pitches it back. Why are you pitching it back to go two yards? And then even in this game, I would have went for it on fourth down. I didn't have a problem with that. But the one problem I did have is they had already stuffed us one time. So why do you do it again when you know all we're going to – they know what we're going to have to do. So that's my concern about him. I just I, I don't I don't I just I just don't trust him. I, I don't trust him. Like he you know, when it comes to regular defense, yeah, we'll put up a lot of points and stuff like that. But with things like with high level teams, like we stopped them. If we would have scored twenty one points, they then that would have made Tennessee to have to stop running the ball. But we didn't. And I think it's because he wanted to keep running the ball. So I, thank you for taking my call. Mario, I, I appreciate it, but Again, I'm not sure where you're coming from on this one, my my guy, because uh, Josh Allen attempted 47 passes against Tennessee. They went after that depleted secondary. They were aggressive on all fronts when it came to attacking three healthy corners. I don't know where you're coming up with that one. I, the Bills were all over in the aerial assault. Allen went 35 of 47 in that game. 353 yards. Uh, The goal line failures, the red zone failures from that Tennessee game had to do with execution. Allen missed digs on a touchdown throw that would have been, it would have changed the entire dynamic of the game. Buffalo's going down to kick a game-winning field goal if there's a touchdown scored there. Instead, Buffalo came away with three. Actually, the Bills would have won the game, actually. I take that back because They would have ended up with four more points on a touchdown. But it was just an execution error. A lot of that had to do with execution. I don't know. I mean, Dable hate or Dable concerns. I'm not sure if I'm really there. The guy has been calling a solid play calling Arsenal. And he has so many weapons here that you can get creative every now and then. Yes, I think that that Pittsburgh play was still laughable on all counts. But that was week one. You go ahead and scrap that play for the rest of eternity. And we had two different sides of this argument. One person saying that he doesn't run the ball enough, and one saying he was running too much. Guys, what are we doing? (laughs) Brian Dable's been fine. He's been mixing things up. The Bills have one of the best offenses in the game. They're the second-best scoring offense. They're the sixth-best overall in yards per game. The rushing attack, which people are much maligning, is fifth in yards per game. We're okay. The offensive coordinator's fine. He's been doing a great job mixing things up, and it does help that they have one of the most talented groups on offense that you've seen in all of Bill's time. This is one of the most talented offenses that this team has had in franchise history. That's obviously without a doubt. And if they continue to play the way that they have, and if they have the team's success, am I really going back into the breach here? Zach, why are you doing this to me? (laughs) 
<laughs> now nah, you go, man. Just you keep doing it. All right. S- sure. Why not? I'm shooting from the hip here. Patrick in Buffalo, how you doing, man? I'm good. How are you, Derek? I, I'm a bit confused, but I'm ready. What do you got for me? <laughs> All right. So regarding the last two callers and their comments about Brian Dable, Brian Dable is not the issue. The issue is last year, Josh Allen had an amazing year. He he took immense steps from what was it, like 58% to 69%, and they were doing a lot of spread offense. This year, the defenses that they're playing, Pittsburgh, Tennessee, Kansas City, they all have tape now on that offense. And while most of the offense is still the same, you basically switched out John Brown for Emmanuel Sanders. It, the thing is, is now Gable's facing coverages where defenses are coming out in cover two, cover three, match, or even cover four, and – no one's really playing that man-to-man defense. And then on top of it, you're getting teams like Pittsburgh and Tennessee with strong defensive lines where they're rushing three, maybe four guys, dropping seven or eight back in coverage. And the thing is, is you have linebackers doing a cover two, cover three, and then you have safeties over the top to try to stop the deep ball. It's The thing is, the defenses have adjusted to Dable's calling. So – the advantage is for Buffalo is to try to establish the running game, which they've done, as, as you say, they're fifth in the league in rushing, and then the emergence of Dawson Knox. Now, with the Dawson Knox being out the next week, couple of weeks, it's going to be interesting to see what Tommy Sweeney can do. Because if Tommy Sweeney can step up and even give you a percentage of what Dawson Knox was giving you, it's another weapon that when Dawson Knox returns, that Dayball can utilize to try to alter that plan that defenses has against them. I'll hang up and let you guys... Uh... You can't do that, Pat. Come on. Um, so, I don't know what I'll... How have defenses figured out the second highest scoring team's offensive coordinator? What is wrong with you guys? <laughs> Come on. Uh I I don't know what's happening. <laughs> oh boy. I I get that it was a popular thing to pick on over the last couple of years, but um why is there so much Brian Dable hate going on here, Zach? I'm confused. Basically, how I've deduced it is that his first two years, Dable, I think it was it was more talent, but also he was coming into his own as an OC, and it, it, that is lot that has left a lot of a bad taste in people's mouth, especially because a lot of the Josh Allen like great games, it was a lot, especially in his first two years, was him kind of just making magic out of nothing. I I, I don't know why no one's bringing up the fa- like in terms of like the biggest issue we have. It's the offensive line. Yeah, like if if you want to point at one thing on the offense that you're worried about, it's very clearly the offensive How is line. The only time, okay, the only defense that slowed down the Buffalo Bills this season was the Pittsburgh Steelers, and that was when they had Cameron Hayward, Melvin Ingram, T.J. Watt, and Alex Highsmith healthy. The reason that that team is struggling now defensively is because Watt and Highsmith have been banged up and unavailable to them. Yeah, I, I don't really know that whole like they're not like a great that that is a great defense. It's a great defense that is injured. 
Those two players were chaos for Josh Allen. How do you beat the Buffalo Bills? You beat them by rushing four and being able to drop into coverage, which means adding pressure while also managing to have all the bodies you can out there so that Allen doesn't find anything in time. Yeah. It's just, I, I don't... That's it! Dable gets a lot of hate. The, how is this on the offensive coordinator? Yeah, Help! Dable gets a lot of hate. I I will never understand modern Bills fans wanting us to run the ball more. Running the ball is fine, but the way to win is, is to throw and run in situations. They have the fifth best rushing offense in the league. That's not a concern. I mean, I, I can understand if people are concerned just because Josh is running. Like, I can sort of understand that one, but he's also... <laughs> It's not like he's, you know, Baker Mayfield size trying to run around and like we're worried he's going to have a separated shoulder and a torn labrum in like a two week span. Like that's not, that's not going to happen unless he falls awkwardly or something like it fluky happens. The guy's body is, is not of a normal quarterback. He will be okay. And like you've said, he's figured out a way to kind of slide, take smaller hits if he has to. Uh, I'd love the hurdling to never happen again. I, I was more than comfortable with him. Having a hurdle in between three years, like I, I'd like if he never did that again. No, but he just did it the next week, trying to get a first down. Yeah, I, I don't need that to happen ever again. Like I get excited in the moment, and then immediately I'm like, that was the worst decision he's ever made. All right, I feel like my eyes are bleeding. We got to take a break. Eight oh three oh five fifty. If you want to try to frustrate me some more, I guess. Uh, but we'll be back on the other side, taking your calls. Josh and Arcade, I see you. Hang on, on the other side of the break, we'll take you. And uh, we'll see if we can get my eyeballs to pop out here. Derek Kramer on Sports Talk Saturday. You're listening to WGR. Welcome back. Sports Talk Saturday. Derek Kramer seething while Nate Geary's on a golf course. This is what you did to me, Nate, today. I... (laughs) Why are we doing this? I don't know what's going on. We've taken three calls, all of them just like very not much fans of Brian Dable, the offensive coordinator of the second best scoring offense in the National Football League and the sixth best in yards per game. And uh, apparently we're on a Dable hate train this afternoon. And I don't get it. I One of the biggest criticisms about Dable happened from the Houston playoff game. And I remember what it is, and everyone knows what this play is I'm going to bring up, when they had Pat DeMarco running a streak. And everyone's like, why did they have the fullback running a streak? It's to clear the safeties out. It was Sugar High Josh who decided to throw that football. (laughs) Do we not remember this? No, because I had three straight callers of you guys trying to pop my eyeballs out. What's going on? Do we need to talk? Can someone explain to me why this is happening right now? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm for the discussions. I'm just very confused. You had one person saying they're not running enough. And one person saying they're running too much. We got to get the story straight if we're going to do this, okay? You got to help me. Help me to help you. Help me to help you. Help me to help you. Okay? We got to do this the right way if we're going to do it, Okay? And Zach, you told me a very interesting angle from a caller uh, that did not want to stay on. Yeah, I, so I, we were talking about our theory. It's more just it's it's the bad blood left from his first two years when Josh got here. Yes, or, or when they both got here, they yeah. came in together. 
And then he, it was Ken from Amherst, he brought up a very interesting theory on this. About midway through last year, it was kind of an assumed thing that Dable was going to be leaving. Either the Jacksonville job, which I think at that point was mm-hmm. very clearly either it was opened or was going to be open. Right. And then a number of jobs as well, and it was like, all right, well, Dable's out. And then he wasn't, and he was, and we were in training camp, and it was, oh, okay, Brian Dable is still definitely our offensive coordinator. That is going to yeah. be a thing. And now we go into this year and the Chicago preseason game or Matt Nagy just clearly looked out of his depth, even in a preseason game, looked out of his depth. Oh, boy. And you even saw like Chicago, you know, fan pages going like, all right, well, I guess Brian Dable is our new head coach. Just we need like eight months to get there. <laughs> so Ken so, brought up an excellent point. It's kind of like you're preparing to break up with a girlfriend <laughs> or you know that she is preparing to break <laughs> up with you. And it's one of those, you want to get ahead of it. Like, you want to be, like, when the breakup does happen, you're like, I need them anyways. I'm better off. I've already moved on. I already saw the toxic traits. And and honestly, he's got a point because we have the backup girlfriend in a lot of, like, Bill's fans' mind in Ken Dorsey. He's the passing game coordinator already. He seems like the heir apparent in terms of the OC. So, like, the theory's got some legs. All right. I'm going to apologize ahead of time to you and to Greg Tomset. Because I'm going to take a couple callers, begrudgingly at this point, uh, but I'm going to take a couple callers here. We're going to be late to Greg, so I apologize in advance, my dude. Uh, Greg Tomset of Cover One is going to join us at the uh, at the top of the hour. But first, we're going to get through these two. Josh and Arcade, how you doing today, man? Oh, I'm good. How are you? You, you, you guys don't sound too enthused. <laughs> I'm... I'm confused. If you can help me, I, I'll be a little less confused, but I need some help here, man. I don't know what anyone's really talking about. I think Dayball is, he's, he, I don't know, he's really good at what he does. And no, to, I don't know why people are hating on him so much. I think it's just because there's still a hangover from the loss on, on Monday. I have no idea, but I think Dayball is very creative with his play calling and you know, it all comes down to execution down in the red zone and all, all things like that. The one thing I will say, though, is I I think Zach Moss is getting too many carries. I think Singletary um, is, at least in uh, Monday's game, I saw he looked a little bit more uh, explosive and elusive. And he was he only had five rushes, but he was aver- averaging five yards. Five yard, over five yards to carry, and two of those were a 14-yard run and a seven-yard run. So, no, it's not – for me, it's more of who is getting the ball instead of you know, more rushing and more passing. So that's that's all I'll say about that. No, everyone just needs to calm down and get <laughs> off the table's back, I guess. I don't know. Thank you, Josh. Take a nap. I don't know. Take a nap. Thank you, guys. I'll, I'll hang up, and I'll listen to you guys talk and hopefully hopefully it cheered your day up a lot well thank you josh and uh you did bring up a good point about the deployment of the backs because uh you mentioned singletary and he is actually on the season averaging 5.2 yards per touch he's been uh he's been very solid with his opportunities he has 60 carries moss has 54 it's almost been a deadlock in terms of usage and carries on the ground game singletary has 311 yards to moss's 208 he has looked like the better player more times than not. And it's like they use a 50-50 split on the deployment of these two backs. Funny enough, Singletary, he's been 
really relegated in terms of the passing game. He has 38 yards receiving this year. Yeah, I look. It's weird looking back at his rookie year. He actually a lot of his big plays did come in the passing game, but I think a lot of his passing issues or his pass catching issues have kind of carried over from the AFC Championship game and even some games pre- previous where he drops the ball, doesn't necessarily make the same cuts. It seems when he catches the ball, Moss has just been I think a, just a bit more of a reliable pass catching back, and I think that's kind of where Moss, in my opinion, has sort of made his his bones in terms of being the RB1. Singletary also, what is it, 301 to something, like a low 200s? Yeah, it's 301 to 208. But the he, big, he had that big run against Miami. Yeah. Well, you take that away, he still got him by a lot. Yeah. It was a, it was a 46 yarder. So the thing that I'm noticing, though, the deployment is because of the fact that Singletary, despite losing zero of them, has put the ball on the turf four times. Yes. That, that has been something. It, it's. It, it's almost like with Josh's fumbles from a year ago where he didn't lose a ton of them, but they were there, and you're like, I don't love that. I don't love that. All right, well, we're going to take one more here before we switch gears. Curtis in Niagara Falls, how you doing today? Welcome to Sports Talk Saturday. Hey, good afternoon, guys. How you doing? We're getting there. <laughs> I, I know. I know. Like I had mentioned, I was driving, listening, guys. Like, what are they talking about? You know, like you guys said, we're at the fifth leading um, – a running game in the league, second in scoring. And, and like I said, three, five years ago, everybody was complaining, talking about our offense was chaotic, and we weren't like the rest of the NFL. And now we do. I mean, what is it that Western New York is trying to be famous for? Chicken wings, smashing tables, and complaining? <laughs> you guys are doing an outstanding job <laughs> taking those calls. I was doing an outstanding job not crashing my Jeep into the street and listening to these people. What the frick? Half the NFL would love to have our offense. And they're finding ways to complain about, oh, my God, you guys need a raise. You guys need a raise. That's all I have, guys. Curtis, thank you. I, I, you know what? I'll, I'll take this. Uh, I'll take the recording on that call, like with the audio here. We're gonna send this right to my boss because you're absolutely right. Sometimes, like I don't know how the guys do it. Like this is the first time I'm doing this in two years. Howard, Jeremy, Mike, Chris, Sal, Joe, they do this every day. And sometimes it's more chaotic than it's not. And look, I love the engagement. I really do. And if you want concerns and you want to bring up concerns, that's fine. At least make it make sense. I can't hear you run the ball too much and you run the ball not enough and think that things are okay. Um, so there, there's why my head wanted to explode there. Uh, so thank you guys, everyone for a very entertaining couple of segments. I appreciate it. Everyone with the back and forth. Thank you guys all for, uh, giving a call. And next we talked to Greg Thompson of cover one. So we are way over the break here. I don't care. We had fun with callers. Let's do that all sort of thing all over again in the next hour. But first, we'll talk to Greg Thompson of Cover One as we do more Bills on the Bye. Next on Sports Talk Saturday, Derek Kramer in for Nate Geary. Zach Jones is hanging out with us as well. You're listening to WGR.